Do you feel beautiful? Do you look beautiful? Does one really affect the other? Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out with host Bonnie Bonadeo. In our show, we'll help you uncover your true self and unleash beauty that you never knew existed in order to be at your best, both inside and out. Now, here is your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out. You know, this is one of those guests that I have today that I also have to share some of the sad stories that go along with it. And I know we all know somebody that has been diagnosed with breast cancer. And it seems as though the people that we're getting to know that are being diagnosed are younger and younger. And um, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. And there's probably so much information that we don't have or we are unaware of. And there's so many different forms of cancer that it's just very confusing to be able to think, am I doing everything right? Um, So my guest today is Dr. John West, and he is a breast surgeon, and he he represents, um, let's see, uh, Breastlink out of Orange, California, and that's his background right there, so if you're with us on Facebook Live, you can see the beautiful background he has. He's a general surgeon in training for this, and he's also written a book that is called Prevent, Survive, and Thrive, and I'm really excited to talk with you today, Dr. West, so thanks for being here. Thank you. You know, we have, uh, I have a, I have a friend going through breast cancer right now. I have two other friends that were diagnosed and um, they were all under 40. So it's certainly a topic of conversation around the coffee table or around the cocktail table with me and my girlfriend. So um, I'm anxious to hear some information that we can all share with each other, because if the truth is, is that one in four of us are going to come, you know, end up with breast cancer, then, you know, sitting at the table with three of my girlfriends, one of us is, is already marked. So we want to be as preventative and healthy Mm -hmm. as possible and live a long, long life. So I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, before we get into all of the uh, the book information and the real, real good information that I want to hear, I always love for my guests to be able to share a little bit about themselves and their story. You know, at this point, it would be like, what, you know, did you always know that you were going to be a doctor? Was it what your parents demanded for you to grow up and, and be a surgeon? Um, and then, of course, there was probably this turning point where you realized there was more information that needed to be shared and that prompted the book. But I want to hear your story. Well, I think uh, you'll find it interesting. My parents, first of all, didn't want me to be a doctor. Uh, I took what's called a Cooter preference test in uh, high school, and it said that I was top 99% in science and and social service. And I went home that night and thought about it. I said, well, that's a doctor. What, What else could it be? And so I just went down that line. I had to work a little bit harder. I wasn't the best student in the world till I realized that I, I wouldn't be a doctor if I didn't get more serious. I got more serious. I got into Berkeley, California. I got into UC San Francisco Medical School. Uh, I was graduated AOA, which is top honors. Uh, then I spent a year uh, in England uh, under the National Health System. And then I had a five-year residency at UC San Francisco. So I thought I had really, really good uh, training. I then moved to Orange County because I love the weather. And uh, it it was a great place to live and a great place to raise a family. I initially started as a general surgeon, but I had been trained in trauma and vascular. Uh, I started the, the nation's first organized system of trauma care in Orange County, and I saw how the team works to save lives. So I got a little older, and it was a little hard to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and operate. So I said, 
lot of progress are being made in breast cancer. I said, I really like to specialize in that, but I want to bring a team together of all the specialists so a woman can make a call. She can be seen that day or the next day. She can see the surgeon. She can see the oncologist. She can see the radiation therapist. She can see the radiologist. Everything in one stop, one phone number, one computer system, but the group of a team of doctors that knows how to really answer a question and do what needs to be done in a, you know, in a very expeditious way. Yeah, because that's just not common right now. I mean, it seems as though there's this diagnosis and then it's like, okay, you can get in with the doctor in six weeks. I can't even imagine what people go through when they have to go through that waiting process just to be able to find out more. It really, I hear some stories from my second opinion patients that almost make you want to cry. Uh, They know they've got cancer. They feel a lump. It seems to be growing. The biopsy showed some you know, concern, not just your average cancer. And then nobody returns a phone call. And it, it is, it can be months to get in. And then they have to go through imaging studies. The MRI, for instance, always takes a long time. Uh, and then you're presented at a conference and finally you start to schedule surgery or, or you see the plastic surgeon and schedule a team approach. And, uh, you know, all that takes time too. So if it's six weeks to get in, it's another six weeks before you get on the schedule. It's awful. Now, one thing we do do when there's been a, a, a real delay on patients who are estrogen receptor positive, we give them the option of starting on a hormone-blocking pill like tamoxifen. So they're being treated at the same time they're waiting. The other point that I'd like to make is there are certain cancers are quite aggressive. In those cancers, we get them in fast, and we get them started on chemotherapy within a few days. Wow. That's pretty impressive service. Yeah. We, we called so, it... And it go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, no, finish. Well, we initially called it same-day service, and we did everything we could to get it within a few days. Uh, the patients come back years after their surgery, and they, they, they are just so grateful uh, years later, and they just talk to their friends that didn't have such a great experience. It really makes me, I'm an old guy, but I just want to keep going because these patients are so happy. I'm so proud of what we've done that it really makes it a joy to go to work. Oh, that's nice. Dr. West, what can you tell us just in general of, you know, maybe not exclusive to breast cancer, but just the the rise of cancer overall um, that is concerning, especially to the medical field? Well, it certainly is. One thing we're diagnosing it probably more. We have more, but, but those cancers, if you don't diagnose them, ultimately they're going to grow. And so the numbers are, are still there. I think diet is a big issue. I think lack of exercise is a big issue. I, I think uh, women aren't taking advantage of preventative things like uh, strength building, using weights, doing cardiovascular. Uh, they should, check, in addition, check their bone mineral density. I mean, there's a lot of things women need to do at age 40 so that they're not little, you know, weak in their 70s. And also, uh, you know, take, paying attention to the breast itself, knowing what to do, take no more than your doctor. You've got to know the steps. And if you follow the steps and you do get cancer, I can guarantee you, you're going to catch it early when it still is potentially curable. You don't need mastectomy. You don't need chemo. And uh, it, you get you just breathe through it. It's an outpatient yeah, so surgery and they go on it, a pill. I understand, and I don't know the statistic on this, but I'm sure you'll support me in sharing me the right information. But when, you, when you're diagnosed early and you can catch it early, the survival rate is very high. Approach is 98%. Not, it's incredibly that's, that's, high. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, that's overall of the really low-grade tumors. It's probably pretty close to 100%. The higher, uh, more aggressive tumors bring it down a little bit. Yeah. But the that's sooner, really... sooner we catch them, the better, better the prognosis. 
Right. Yeah. That's very, very, very good odds. Um, it, uh, it, it seems, it seems as though diet and how we're taking care of ourselves is a big factor. Um, but you know, when I was talking with, with my, uh, gynecologist and everything, she's, she's a big believer that, listen, you could be eating all the right things and being a, a healthy exercising person, but there's so much going on in the world and, and the stress that we're under just in, you know, just in this survival, uh, status that we're in that we have to be more preventative and she really recommended supplements is that something you'd say as well well the one supplement we recommend for all our patients uh, first of all we get a vitamin d level we want to know most women in orange county are low which is surprising because all the sunshine but they put on sunscreen and they you know stay in the shade so they're not getting the, the, the sun exposure to raise their vitamin d level so most of them end up going on uh, supplements of vitamin d uh, folic acid seems to have a benefit, particularly if you're drinking a little bit too much alcohol. It seems to neutralize the effect. And I think, you know, a, a calcium is, is often necessary to build the bones and vitamin D. So we try to have a balanced approach. When it gets anything beyond that, I usually have their primary doctor take over because that's a bit out of my area of expertise. And sometimes they get upset if I do too much control. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I, I really, I really believe that supplements can support me feeling healthy and being healthy, but I'm always curious as to what else I can do. Now, you did, uh, and I, I know we're going to go into great detail on the book, but you did decide to write this book because you didn't feel as though there was enough information or enough accurate information out there. Both. I okay. Think you brought up the point about young women under 40. There's nothing for them. Uh, American Cancer Society says you don't need to do a self-exam. They're totally wrong on that. We can talk about that. There's really not much imaging. So if you do find a lump uh, and you go to your doctor and the doctor says, oh, you're too young or don't worry about it, you say, no, I've got a change in my breast. I want a directed ultrasound. I want a focused mammogram. If there's an abnormality, I want a core needle biopsy. And oh, by the way, if you don't want to do all that, I'll find another doctor. Yeah, well, and we know that that there's a lot of second opinions going on. Um, and then some of the stories I hear from my friends are, are quite disheartening a lot of times, where they feel as though they're being forced down a path of treatment prior to having a good understanding of um, prior to having a good understanding of what the what the cancer is and how to treat the cancer itself once they know more specifically what kind of cancer. I think that's absolutely true. There's a lot of complexities and a lot of misconceptions. And maybe somebody comes, just diagnosed knows somebody else who had a, either a great experience or a poor experience. So you have to individualize. Every patient is different. They have different needs. They have slight changes in the nature of their tumor. And there's four basic types of tumor. Uh, when you catch them in a revolution, changes the treatment. They must understand that. And that was one of the reasons I wrote the book. When I talk to my patients, I usually just give them a copy, particularly have them read the chapter on just diagnosed. There's another chapter that's very helpful for our patients, and that's the importance of hope. And we uh. have... We've had two patients uh, that work with us that have been told uh, to go find a, uh, somebody to write a will, and uh, they, were, they came to our center. Uh, one of them it was uh, 34 years ago. She's the head of our volunteer section, and the other is a lawyer, and she's continued to work 12 years after her uh, treatment. 
Wow, that is that is really powerful. I think I think hope is is a a big part of it for sure. Um, now, I there was a story that you shared in regards to a young gal that came in, and and this and I think this is a really relevant point that and not just as women, but we need to fight for the care that we deserve. You couldn't hit the nail on the head more than that. It is exactly a perfect statement because the thing is that doctors, particularly the primary care doctors are so busy. They're turning so many patients through the office. They don't have the time to talk about risk. They don't have time to talk about breast density. They don't have time to teach breast self-exam and they don't know what to do most of the time. And so there's oftentimes delay even when a woman goes to a doctor. So the story I alluded to was a 24 year old girl from Florida that called us uh, last week. And uh, she said uh, she had found a lump. She went to her doctor. The doctor didn't even examine her. She says, you're too young to get cancer. Mm-hmm. So she found <laughs> so one of my articles uh, on the internet. And she said, well, Dr. West, she goes to see another doctor. She said, well, Dr. West says you got to do an ultrasound on this. You got to get a mammogram. An ultrasound is the best thing in the world for younger women, women under 30. And so usually, we usually do not do an added mammogram under 30 unless we're very suspicious of cancer. But the good news is, the ultrasound is extremely helpful in making that determination. There's a few other things we can do, but basically, if young women do self-exam and find a small cancer or a small change in their breast, they go to the doctor. The doctor should treat this aggressively. They, just because he can't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. They, if they feel a focal change and feel one spot in their breast that seems different, you must ultrasound that area. And if it's completely negative, you can follow the patient. I've had several patients where they've come into me, reported a change. I can't even feel it. Put the ultrasound on it, and there's a little cancer smaller than a pea. How can they do that? But I've seen them do it. The women are quite good who learn to do self-exam with confidence. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And there's, and you know, and I, I did a post on Facebook and I just said, hey, ladies, we're talking about boobies, so you got to pay attention. <laughs> That's and then right. this, you do. You have to take control of your health. We do. We really do. I mean, it's, you know, listen, it's just like anything, you know, our knees, our hips, our teeth. I want this stuff to last a lifetime, including these. So that's good. Well, I, I really I really appreciate everything that you're sharing. So what's one little tidbit right now that you can share with us that we're not doing and we should be doing other than just uh, and well or, or even expanding upon our own uh, breast exams? How often should we be doing this? When should we be doing this? And what's like the most easeful way to do this? Well, first of all, self-exam is an important layer of protection. Some cancers turn up between mammograms. Some cancers don't show up on the mammogram. So just because you have a normal mammogram uh, doesn't mean that much. You need to still be vigilant. And certainly women under 40 aren't even getting the mammogram. So self-exam is a big, big issue for her. So let me make it simple on self-exam, if I could. If you go to Mm BeAwareFoundation.org, I have a seven-minute video. And uh, also, you can sign up for our monthly reminders on the first day of every month. We send out an email reminding patients to do self-exam. And I write an article on breast health. And there's about 200 articles. And those are the articles that led to me writing the book. As I said, it's got to be in a more logical uh, order. And so the book puts it in an order and writes it in a style. It's reading. Most, uh, it's easy to read. One other thing might, might surprise you. What do you think about cell phones? Oh, you know what? We like are wearing them on our body. And that can't be good. We don't have enough data to be able to determine the effects that this might have on us, do we? 
Well, I believe we do. I've written a paper. I've had several women in their 20s who had one of them whose, cell, uh, whose cancer was right on the surface, unusual pattern. It was the exact length and width of her cell phone. Oh, that, no. was, that was the case that convinced me that I've got to go out. And so I've, I've written the article. It's been published. It's a peer-reviewed journal. And uh, we have a website. Uh, the BeAware website has lots of information on that. But it's really simple. Make the bra a no-phone zone and dr oz actually <laughs> money that. and lipstick in there right right <laughs> okay but the bra is a no phone zone i love that um it's true we we kind of have a tendency to, to utilize it as a pocket because they don't make women's clothes with enough pockets like they do men's clothes so we always feel like this is an easy pocket but it has to have some dangers now what would you say too about having your phone near you at night close to you i'm not night? so worried about that because it's I not think on it's, the body Two things about it. It's skin contact, prolonged exposure, and the young women with developing breasts, particularly teenagers who abuse this extensively. Uh-huh. Uh, they, I had one who was 21 years old when she was diagnosed. She started putting her cell phone in her bra when she was 17. Her mom was totally disturbed about it, but you know how 17-year-olds are. Four years later, she develops an invasive breast cancer uh, right under where the cell phone was kept, and uh, she's not with us anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that is really, really, really sad, and I'm and I'm sorry to hear that, but it's true. We you have enough data, and that was proof for you to be able to say. Now, when we're talking about, we got a break here in just a couple of minutes. But when we're talking about doing an examination, is it usually always a lump that we're looking for, and is there areas that we need to spend more time on? Well, the video is very helpful because it's a complex answer, but here's the situation. First of all, younger women who are menstruating should not touch, check their breasts before their period. They should check it five to 10 days afterwards when the hormone levels have dropped and the breast has returned more to baseline. Uh, the ideal time, I tell my patient, when, in the, when is the best time of the year to do breast self-exam? And they, they kind of look at me like I'm an idiot. And I said, tonight's the night. <laughs> the doctor I've had incredible experience and I do the exam and I don't feel a lump, then that's your baseline. So never look for lumps. Learn the pattern of your baseline. Do it regularly. Trust yourself. If you really know your breast pattern and something starts growing, you'll go, oops, what's that? And I've seen patients who have come to me, one of them six months after a normal exam. She did regular breast exam. So I had seen her in January. She comes in about uh, July and she says, I I noticed a change. I said, well, is it, what do you mean? Is it a lump? She says, no, it's just a change. Here, you check it. So I checked it. She has really kind of bumpy breasts. I said, well, it doesn't seem that much different to me. But I said, let me put the ultrasound on it. She had a small cancer. She was cured. With so she ultrasound. knew. She knew. We have, don't you trust your woman's intuition. Yeah. But you have to put the time. That's why you have to watch the video and you have to get the reminders. And that could, it saves lives. That's how we get some great response from people who tell us that it's really worked for them. Yeah, perfect. Well, we're going to take a break right now. And I know that um, part of the book that you wrote, Prevent, Survive, and Thrive, there's there's a topic on breast density and a few other things that, that I know you want to share some good information on. And um, will you tell us it was beaware.org? Beaware.org, yes. Okay, perfect. That's where the seven-minute video is, so I'm going to be sure to make sh- uh, post that on my face uh, on my uh, social accounts as well. Now, I know I'm Facebook Live with you all right now, but a- honestly, I have so many different Facebook accounts, I'm not sure where I'm Facebook Live at. So <laughs> I'm going to dis- 
connect this and I'm going to go on to Bonnie Bonadeo while we're taking a break right now. So stay with us. And then if you are watching, join us over at Bonnie Bonadeo. All right, we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions to profits to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My Favorite Coffee Story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. That's Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I have my guest here, Dr. John West. He's the director of surgery at Breastlink in Orange, California, beautiful Orange, California. He's a general surgeon by training, but he became fascinated with the multidisciplinary team approach to breast cancer in the 80s, even. So we've, you've been at this for a long time, Dr. West. I'm not going to tell and, you how old I am. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to ask. Uh, and it led him to open up Orange County's first breast care center that practiced a team approach to pra- patients and their breast problems. So over 40 years experience in this. So you've, you've seen a lot. You've, you've, you've witnessed a lot. And one of the things that you shared, because I know we're Facebook Live now, it's official, we are. Um, one of the things you shared in the first segment was about the cell phone. Will you repeat that little rhyme again? Make the phone a no phone zone. And it was Dr. Oz that actually suggested it to me. <laughs> make the phone a no bra zone. No, make the bra. I may have said that wrong because I was make the bra a no phone zone. Make the bra a no phone zone. Okay, right. it's true, ladies. We do not need to be putting our cell phone in our bra. It is potentially cancer causing, may not for everybody, but certainly you don't want to take that risk here. So welcome back. We're in segment two. Um, Okay. So your book, Prevent, Survive, Thrive. Why did you write that? Well, it's kind of what we started talking about that I see delays in diagnosis. I see women who haven't had adequate explanations for what they have. I've seen people that didn't get a second opinion. A couple of things kind of led me 
to really absolutely do it. One was a cell phone story. Uh, another was a patient doing a second opinion. And after a lengthy discussion, she just looks at me and says, Doc, just tell me what you'd do if I were your wife. And you know what? That's what every woman wants. And that's what I want to do for them. So I always tell my patient, I'm going to treat you like I treat a member of my family. Yeah, that's so true. And I love the fact that you really really step up to provide the quickest, most efficient, safest care right away for these patients. Because I, I, I can't imagine the moment you get diagnosed, the waiting game, you know. Now, in the, in the book, when you talk about, can we, can we start with the first part of the book title, the preventative? Can you give us some tips? I mean, other than the, the, the no phone bra zone. Yeah, that, that, that is preventative. That's uh, very preventative. But I, I think the thing we all, all know, but we don't necessarily practice, is uh, the importance of exercise. And exercise, it doesn't take a lot to lower your risk. And they say, you know, a 20-minute rest walk five times a week will lower your risk by about 20%. That, that seems incredible to me. I think sugar in the diet, I'm convinced that's, that's an issue. It's hard to nail it down. Um, it, we know heart disease and obesity, but I think there's some pretty good evidence on cancer. So I think you need to eat the right diet, avoid the processed foods, uh, eat natural foods to the extent that you can. I suggest keeping red meat to a low level. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of the three big things. Alcohol is another issue, particularly binge drinking for young women. A report came out recently suggesting that more than three ounces of alcohol a week would increase your risk. I don't think that that, I, I just don't believe that. First of all, alcohol protects you against heart disease. There's a lot more people dying of heart disease than breast cancer. Right. So I think if That's you want, still the number one leading cause of death for both uh, men and women. Yeah. I, I don't condone, you know, heavy drinking, but I think if you want to drink at night when you come home after a hard day's work, I, I wouldn't worry about it. And we're so confused because they're telling us, oh, a glass of red wine is good for you. Oh, it's bad for you. Oh, mammograms every year are bad for you. Oh, they're good for you. You should do them. We're confused. Well, I'll make it really simple Perfect. on mammograms. Every average risk woman starts every year age 40 and continues every year until she reaches the point where her health is failing. Number two, women need to know about density. As you mentioned before, women with density need extra imaging because breast cancers hide in the density. So they need either an ultrasound or an MRI. Number three is the issue of Angelina Jolie, gene testing, risk assessment. Let's, this is exciting. If we can catch women carrying the BRCA gene before they develop cancer, we can do prophylactic nipple spurring mastectomies. The ladies look great. They feel great. The risk is gone. Hmm, that's true. So what is the test that they do to be able to test for that BRCA gene? Is it just a blood test? Yes, it's just a blood test. Actually, one of the companies just, you can, you can get online, send in a I think it's $250. They'll send you the test kit. You just fit into it, fill it up. They give a, a package to send it right back to them. And it takes about three or four weeks and they'll call you. They have counselors and they, they'll give you a detailed explanation. But that's focusing uh, on multiple genes besides the BRCA1 and 2. So really a good test. And what I find a lot of women, they have children and grandchildren. They don't have that much of a history, but they say, I want to know if it's in my family. I really want to know it's not my family. So the other generations don't have to worry about it. So for 250 bucks, if you do have the test, it could be life-saving if you're positive. And if it's negative, you have the ability to go to all your 
a family and say, don't worry about it. I'm not carrying that gene, so I could not have passed it on to you. Wow. That's, yeah, that's good. And then, so you could get the test done yes. to be able to see if you have that, that particular gene that makes you more susceptible. Um, eating right, keeping yes. your cell phone away from your breasts. Um, anything else for prevention? Self-breast exams we talked yeah, about. The self-breast exam. I think vitamin D is the one that seems to be linked to various kinds of cancer. And I, I just think every woman should know her vitamin D level. And if it's low, not just get it up to normal, but get it high normal. I think normal is 30. I like to see it around 50. And uh, you can go a little higher. Some of my patients do. I, I, I let them you know, follow their primary doctor in terms of that. But I think if you get it up to 50, you're having maximum protect, protection. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, had requested some, some uh, vitamin panel um, because, you know, I'm at that age where I'm kind of going through uh, perimenopause and everything. And so I'm like, I need to kind of know where I'm at. Cause you know, you get, you do, you get tired, you get um, lethargic, you get foggy, all those things. And uh, my insurance wouldn't cover it. And that was very frustrating because I always feel like that's preventative. So, you know, as one of my guests shared on uh, the show, uh, Dr. Jeremiah, he's like, it's not health care, it's sick care. <laughs> yeah. so only well, take care of you when you're sick. You can't be preventative with health insurance. Right. It's health insurance drives us crazy. And it really is. There's a whole group of women who are not getting their mammograms because they won't pay for them. And these women are dying, are getting diagnosed with more advanced cancers. Mm -hmm. And so we know when we get a population that has, uh, you know, like Orange County, there's a very really high percentage of women do get their mammograms. But you look in uh, other communities that aren't so uh, financially secure and they just going without. So when they get a cancer, it end, or present with the cancer, it's usually advanced. Yeah. And I know that um, one of the facilities that I went to that does all the imaging in the month of October, when it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, they do free mammograms for people that cannot afford them or their insurance doesn't cover them. So I'm going to recommend any of my listeners to check out uh, some of the imaging places in your area and see if that's something that they offer. Um, and then you just got to book early to get yeah. an appointment in there. But that's a really, that's a nice service to have. Yeah, so wonderful. every year, women every as year, of 40, starting at every 40, year. Starting at 40. But if you have high risk and you have an Angelina-like mutation, then you start MRIs at age 25 every year. At age 30, you do an MRI plus a mammogram every oh, okay. year. And you said something about an ultrasound versus a mammogram. What was the point of an ultrasound versus a mammogram? Well, let me give you, there's two components to the ultrasound. One, if you have a lump, we do a diagnostic ultrasound. We look just at that lump. But what we've learned over the past decade is that women with dense breasts often present with more advanced cancers. They're hard to diagnose. The cancers are white. The density is white. It's like trying to find a snowman in a snowstorm. So... It's just the opposite with the ultrasound. So we started very aggressive, uh, routine, yearly ultrasound screening, whole breast screening uh, for women with dense breasts. And it, it more than doubles the pickup of small, curable cancers. It's a breakthrough. You know, in, there's a law in Orange County saying women should be informed if they have dense breasts. They did a study, less than 1% of the women are being informed. That's why my book is so important because it takes a whole chapter on density, on the mammograms, on the arguments, on the cell phone. These are things that empower women to make the right decision. When the doctor says, you know, you don't need this or you don't need that, you say, you know, Dr. West said I needed to do it. And if you don't want to do it, you know, I'll find another doctor that does. And I think if you push hard, 
you're more likely to get them. And here's what I tell my patients when they say they just can't afford it. I say it's a diet Coke a day for a year. You can afford it to save your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's the, um, you know, the status on smoking? Is sm- Smoking has still got to be like, don't do it. Stop it. It's cancer causing no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Lung cancer. There's absolutely no question about that. In terms, there's been a lot of studies that suggested that it's a contributory factor. I, I can't imagine it's not. I think it's just hard to measure it. Yeah, know, quantitative. yeah. Good point. All right. So we talked about preventative. So now we're talking about survival. Is survival when we're crossing over with people that have been diagnosed and what they need to do in order to prevent a second occurrence or what? Well, First of all, we've kind of gone over the imaging and the screening and the self-exam so that if you do get it, you want to catch it early and you catch it early, your high probability of uh, survival. Uh, in terms of uh, treatment to improve survival, we know that if we get extremely good results if we just do a lumpectomy and radiation and remove the lower lymph node. Those patients, it's a breeze to go through it. If they're estrogen receptor positive, we put them on tamoxifen or a similar hormone-blocking pill. Some women, maybe they have two or three cancers in the breast. They're not candidates uh, for uh, lumpectomy, and so we do mastectomy with immediate reconstruction. And women who are like those who are BRCA positive, we do the nipple sparing mastectomy with, and it's just amazing. One of the funnest things I've had in my practice is this is a new technique that we're using women with large pendulous breasts that have a tumor in their breast. What we do is do a wide removal of the tumor. Then the plastic surgeon does what they call an uh, oncoplastic revision. So the breast goes from looking like a 40-year-old with droopy breast to a 20-year-old with perky breast. And then they match the other side. These women are so happy. They're so oh. excited. They don't keep their tops on when they come in to have their, you know, their exam. <laughs> they want to show everybody. <laughs> hey, please. Do you, as a surgeon um, and a specialist in breast cancer, because I know that was a big concern for a couple of my friends, you know, with a uh, partial, you know, a a single uh, mastectomy and or even just the radiation, like it did alter the way their breasts looked. So they were uneven, they were scarred, um, and they did want to have some reconstructive surgery. Um, is that still recommended, like adding implants after you've had cancer? Is there any concern around that? Well, there's no concern about uh, a recurrence. Uh, people are also concerned, well, maybe it'd be hard to diagnose early. I've been doing this for 30 years. I've never, well, I mean, I mean there may be one case that we had when we removed the implant, we did find a cancer. We weren't aware of it. But I, I think they're extremely safe. There's nothing that's 100% safe, but I think the benefits of feeling feminine, feeling optimistic, feeling proud of your body's image, these are extraordinarily important. So we go out of our way. In terms of a radiated breast, it is trickier uh, to save the breast or uh, do uh, sur- surgery. But we see a lot of women who are radiated who don't have that much burning. I mean, I think the radiation techniques are much better. So we put implants into a lot of women whose you know, radiated side is much smaller than their uh, other side. So we like to, to, to create symmetry. So when we're taking out cancers, we're removing a lot of tissue, but we want to put it back. And if we can rearrange it in a way they look better after we've yeah. operated and they feel better about themselves, that to me is the biggest home run in the work I do. It is. It really is because you know I I created this I created this radio show called Beauty Inside and Out for a very specific reason, and it wasn't just to talk about beauty on the outside. 
but you know, when, when we, when our body does change or we have disease that forces the change of our body, we don't, we, we don't feel comfortable. We're, we're very self-conscious of that. And I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing that, that you can, you know, recover, get healthy, be cancer free and, you know, still have yourself look good. It is great. They, most of my patients say the only time I get kind of nervous or think about it is, is the day before I have to get my mammogram or my yearly exam. But fortunately, the vast majority are negative because we can do such a good job nowadays. The other thing I'd say, if you're going to have a combined procedure, you really need to go to a specialty, specialty center. And there's more and more of them around, much mm-hmm. like ours. So you have dedicated plastic surgeons that they do a large percentage of their uh, practice is reconstruction after surgery. A lot of them don't want to do it because the reimbursement's so low. But but we found that our plastic surgeons are so they, they get a bigger thrill out of reconstructing a cancer patient than they do of putting implants in an otherwise healthy patient. So attitude's really important on your team, and, and experience is the other thing. And then finally, training. And so you've got to check around. Uh, you you can do a Google search. You can talk to friends. Here's my techniques for going into an area where, or what I tell my patients where they don't know a hospital or a doctor. I say, find out the biggest hospital, call it at, uh, after eight o'clock when it's less, get much busier, no visitors and ask to talk to the head nurse and ask the head nurse where she would go for a general doctor or a specialist, because the nurse isn't going to send you to his golfing buddies. Right. Or they have no financial investment. What they want to do is take pride in giving you good advice, at least 99% of them. And I've had more patients tell me it really worked for them. Wow. I believe that. I believe that those women would be very honest to be able to share where they would go if it, if it happened to them. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've talked about uh, prevent and we've talked about survive. We're going to take a break real quick. And when we come back, I want to talk about how we continue to thrive. And then of course, any other tidbit in your book that you'd like to be able to share with us, because this has been a wealth of information Um, so far. So thank you for that. So we're going to break right now and uh, we're going to talk to our friends here on Facebook Live. (laughs) The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions, to profits, to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric E.Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. That's bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beauty Inside and Out. My guest, Dr. John West, he is a surgeon um, at the Breast Link uh, Center in Orange, California. He's shared with us a wealth of information from his book, Prevent, Survive, Thrive. We've talked about prevention. We've talked about surviving. And I'm going to go a little controversial here uh, before we get into the thrive part, because these are the questions that I, me and my girlfriends talk about. So we're concerned that that chemotherapy and radiation seem to be the, the only thing that they're trying to be, do as preventative. Um, but once you are diagnosed with cancer, do you recommend not doing those things depending on the type of cancer, of course, but... Well, there's a lot of confusion in the past. We've, there's been multiple studies now going back a decade. And we finally have the results that are helpful to really guide patients. So there are uh, algorithms you can go on the internet or your doctor may show it to you that can tell you exactly uh, the benefit of one form of treatment or the other in terms of survival. Now we have the ability to do genetic markers uh, on the cancer cells so we can t- tell some patients don't benefit from radiation. We're not radiating a lot of older women that we used to radiate in the past because these studies have shown it doesn't do any good. In terms of the chemo, uh, we don't give chemo unless we're absolutely certain that there's a well-documented study that proves that it, it will work. And then we tell the patient up front, here's the benefits, here, here's the side effects. We want to help you make a decision, but the decision is yours. We'll tell you what we recommend, but, you know, we can follow you. Yeah, it it. and my other question is this, um, is hormones... Because I know some people have been in a position where it's like they're saying you need to take hormones after you've been diagnosed and treated, but it's like forever. Do you really have to take these hormones and do they, are they forever? Well, for the women with estrogen responsive tumors, they do benefit from a hormone blockade. Typically, we do it for five years. If they have a good prognosis tumor, we stop. If they have positive lymph nodes or a more aggressive form, we go another five years. And the data is going to be coming in shortly where we can decide what the benefit might be to extend it beyond that. So we try to be really careful about it. The other thing that I think uh, really bothers women is is all this uh, concern about estrogen and breast cancer risk. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that as long as you're on low-dose estrogen, the, the more recent studies have shown it really doesn't increase your risk at all. We don't want high-dose, high, high dose, but, um, you know, I think you can go on a, 
work with your doctor, your OBGYN, and come up with a dose that's minimal, that minimizes your symptoms, but keeps you, you know, in good spirits. Because that's very important to your immune system is to, to be in control, to be happy, to, uh, to look forward to life. And if, so I don't, you, you can take that one to the bank, and I think it's really important. The other, and that's only true for women who have had a hysterectomy. If you have a uterus, then you, and you need hormones, you have to have a, a, a both estrogen and progesterone. Yes. There's some really good news out there now. It, it, it's safe to take it for four years, but after that, the risk goes up. So there's a new drug called Duavi, and Duavi is safe for those women to take. So there's no woman out there that really, uh, could, almost every, all, every woman could, could, uh, could, go on uh, these hormone replacements for a major improvement in quality of life and no risk that they're really increasing uh, breast cancer risk. Now, there are some breast cancer patients we're really cautious on because they have had advanced tumors that are estrogen receptor positive and they're very symptomatic. And in those women, we use a combination of vaginal estrogen and then oral tamoxifen. And our oncologist, Dr. Link, is absolutely convinced it's safe to do and it can really help. Uh, there's some really, you know, difficult symptoms of vaginal dryness that can be can be terrible for a for a woman. Is it helping for a reoccurrence? Is that what it's trying to prevent a reoccurrence? Absolutely, that's what okay. they're trying to prevent. And of course, that's the frightening thing. So every time a woman goes in for a mammogram after surgery, you know, it's a the whole thing comes played back in her mind, but uh, we're very diligent about following women. And some women are certainly more high risk than others, and we follow them much more aggressively. But the recurrence now, many of them were handling surprisingly well. You mentioned the issue of just having the option of chemo or radiation. And again, we individualize. We have to be very careful in making our recommendation. But the big exciting thing is immune therapy. And uh, my boss, Dr. Patrick Soon Shang, is a uh, multi billionaire uh, investor, and he's convinced they'll have the cure for cancer by the year 20, by the end of the year 2020. And what I look at- Cure for cancer? Cure for cancer, yes. Wow, that's huge. And and this is the Thrive Parts. Please show us your book. I want to see the book um, and let us know- There it is. You see it all? I can't tell it. (laughs) Survive and go up a little higher. Thrive, yes. Breast cancer. Every woman's- Every Woman's Guide to Optimal Breast Care. Perfect. So, all right. So, you really do believe there's going to be a cure. And, you know, you know the, the controversy out there and the conspiracy theory out there is that there'll never be a cure because they make so much money off of treatments like chemotherapy and all of this stuff. But you really, you, you have hope that there's going to be a cure. I do. And when you're a multi-billionaire, you don't worry about those things. In fact, my boss will also often get people in for, for free what they meet. See, we have trials going now. And once those trials are, are finished, we'll be able to, to treat everybody. But if, uh, the, the NIC, uh, National Cancer Institute, is very rigid. And we have to do very carefully controlled studies. But we've already shown safety. We've already shown efficacy. And now we have to show that 80 other women... Are, are going through it and benefiting, and then we can be allowed to open it up to the public. So right wow, now it's fairly restrictive, but it's, it's moving fast. Yeah, well, and, you know, there's also the concern, too, that because so much is regulated by the FDA here that people feel like there are better treatments, more natural treatments outside of the USA that they're in search of. How do you feel about that? Oh, I've seen some 
women that have gone down to Mexico spent every last penny they had and come back to us with recurrences. I'm not saying there, I have seen some surprisingly good results, but they're few and far between. I think you ought to be really careful. And if you can go to a place like MD Anderson or Mayo Clinic or Breastlink in Orange or Breastlink in New York, you're going to get a team of doctors that are as good as any in the world. And you're going to have maximum chance for survival. And they know how to follow up and they know how to take care of it as something does recur. So I think you're in a real safety zone when you find the right uh, comprehensive breast center to take care of your problems. Yeah, it's, I, I get that people probably need to do their own research and their due diligence, but I also trust that, um, you know, that medical science and doctors like you are aware of how much progress we've made. It's so exciting. Uh, I want to stay in practice for another several years to <laughs> see it because I, I, I must say I kind of I was skeptical when I first heard it. And he was on 60 Minutes a couple of years ago and, and he was interviewed. and It's really impressive. But he's made so much progress since then. I think it's going to be a stretch 2020, but I could see him showing that he can do it and then expanding from there and starting hitting other cancers and becoming more, uh, may take a few years to hit all the cancer. And it still may be optimistic, but here's a guy that's going to make a difference. And uh, some of these uh, auto, these immune therapies only hit one particular mutation. He has a, a, a platform where he can treat five or 10 mutations with the same uh, drug or the same infusion, and they're going to be much more effective, much more likely to get a cure and a sustained cure. Wow. And what was his name again? Patrick Soon, S-O-O-N, Shong, S-H-I-O-N-G. Perfect. Good. Yeah. So we'll do a little research on him as well, because he sounds like a he sounds like a very compassionate person and, and dedicated for sure. Like you, you've been you've been nothing but inspirational. And um, and I love that you want to work forever to be able to kind of like keep helping women and keep supporting this mission of, you know, optimal breast health for women. So what else can you tell us in the thrive category? What else can we do to thrive? Well, I think, as you mentioned earlier about the issue of stress, and life is full of stress, and cancer just adds a major stress for women, particularly women with children. There's no easy response to this, but I think we're in a society where you're constantly stressed out, and to some extent, you've got to get some private time. You have to your own way of, of relaxing or meditating, uh, yoga, uh, you just have to, I think women who have children are so busy and there's no limit to it. You have to uh, block out some time for yourself. You have to give yourself the opportunity to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and it's true. We are, we are a very high stress society We're we're it's never enough. And the truth is, is that, you know, once we get to an age, like I'm at an age right now where it's like, forget it, there's always tomorrow, or <laughs> yeah. it's important, I need to do it today, but something else is going to have to sacrifice, um, maybe, you know, temporarily. But I really, I, I trust, I trust what I need to do to manage my stress, because it does, it, it, it's not going to, life is not going to get easier. It's, it becomes then our responsibility to manage it. And th for these young women, you're right, with children, it's very difficult for them to manage their time, their jobs, their families, all that good stuff. So meditate, yoga, uh, eat healthy. Right. Uh, sleeping, uh, there's, some, there's a website or an app called Calm. One of my patients said she never could get to sleep. Uh, she got this app. She listened to the, the stories 
And she said, I never finished the story. I didn't believe her. So I got the same app, Calm, C-A-L-M. And I listened to the rain and the, the ocean sounds. And I go to the stories. And she was right. I couldn't get to the end of the story. I'd wake up maybe a few hours later and say, well, what happened in this story? And I've never been able to fall asleep like that before. So there's plenty of techniques out there. But I think if you're a, you know, have trouble sleeping, you, you should deal with it. Go to a sleep center because it's really important to rejuvenate the body. And you need that time. Yes, it's true. I don't, once I'm, you know, once I'm in bed, I have no problem sleeping. I'm a very good sleeper. Um, but I, I do know that sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I worry about things. Um, and that's when I, that's when I kind of tap back into some meditation practices. Cause I found that my a level of productivity and calming my, my calmness throughout a day when I'm meditating is huge. Like I can't put I can't put any statistics to it. I can't, you know, factualize any of this. All I know is that when I meditate, I'm more productive and I'm less stressed throughout the day. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I've experienced it since that. And I've made more of a, an effort to really, you know, try to take a deep breath, breathe slowly, close my eyes and just detach. And it, it, even before a surgery, sometimes I've got, I'm stressed out because I know it's going to be challenging and I know that there's a lot at stake. And just sometimes just closing my eyes where people can't see me and just relaxing and breathing deeply and slowly, it, it just turns things around. And then I go in there and I don't even think about it. I'm really ready to do my job and do it well. Oh, I love that. Thank you. You've been an amazing guest and very inspirational. So prevent, survive, thrive. Everybody, Amazon.com, you know where to find it. You know how to click that link to Amazon. Um, do not wait. And, you know, we all know somebody. Maybe it's going to end up being a good gift for one of our friends or our mothers yeah. or our sisters that might be out there um, with, a, with a recent diagnosis. Um, and I know that anybody that's had it, they are advocates to make sure that their girlfriends are checking their breasts and being powerfully uh, aware of how to get the best care for themselves. And it sounds like Dr. West is uh, on our side. So thank yeah, you. The book will outline it from A to Z. There's not a thing left over. And there's, there's for people who know it, need more information, there's links, to, there's websites, there's things that I think are very practical uh, that it, they'll just, if you can follow those guidelines, you can be rest assured that you are doing everything you can to avoid getting it, or if you get it to catch it early, or get the right treatment and the right follow up. So it's all there. And uh, I think it's helpful. I could tell, read the last two paragraphs if you want to, uh, if you have a minute. Oh, I'm going to make sure people buy the book to read the last two paragraphs. Okay, we've that's got good. two minutes left, and right. I want them to I want them to get the purchase because it's going to be what it's like a twenty dollar book, and it's going to yeah. be probably the best investment for them to not only know for themselves but to share with other women. That's right. what they're going to do. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Enjoyed it, it was. It was, and it goes so fast. So thanks Good everybody time. for joining us on Beauty Inside and Out. Listen, if you want to be a guest on the show, all you got to do is email me, Bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. We'll look at the opportunity for you to be an upcoming guest. Follow me on Facebook, Beauty Inside and Out Show, uh, Beauty Inside and Out Show group. Uh, and uh, also Bonnie Bonadeo, you can follow me there as well. We've got so much more information to share on Beauty Inside and Out, so we appreciate you joining us each and every week, and stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be with Allie Davidson, and she is from the uh, Associate Hair Professionals. We're going to be talking what uh, clients are saying about their salon time and their salon visits and giving some tidbits of how to create beautiful hair. 
Thanks for joining us. And remember to always be you in beauty. Thank you for listening to Beauty Inside and Out. Please join your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.